Genesis 29. If you have your Bibles, just turn there. Therefore serve me for not. Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed. We look at the translations of that. It's not a good thing. Or Leah, you say tender-eyed. It's kind of like saying she had a great personality. She was precious. She was sweet. But Rachel was beautiful. All the young guys are like, oh, hallelujah. She was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had for her. Hell yeah. He must have really been smitten. A lot of love to work seven years. It seemed like it went by like that for him. Today I want to preach on this topic. Dear Leah, this is goodbye. Dear Leah, this is goodbye. I want you to put your Bibles down. I want you to lift our hands. I want you to ask the Lord to give you understanding of his word today. Let his word challenge us, convict us, draw us back into a place that maybe it's been a while since we've been there, God. I ask you, Lord, if you would to remind us today, God, of that great love that we have for you, Jesus. I pray, God, if you would right now, Lord, challenge the hearts and minds, oh God, of everyone in this room, God, and I pray, God, you would, God, anoint my lips to bring forth this word, God. God, we thank you for it today, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Why don't you put your hands together while you're seated, magnify the Lord. Amen. So Jacob... When we join Jacob, very familiar person from the Bible, we understand that he has swindled his brother Esau for the birthright. He was a con artist. He deceived his father Isaac out of the blessing and with his life on the line, Jacob flees into the land of his mother. You see, Jacob finds himself in a mess that he has gotten himself into. He couldn't say anybody else did this, anybody else got me here, but Jacob had to say, I've gotten myself into this problem. Anybody ever been there? Where you realized that nobody else is to blame except for me. I did this. So this is where we find him. He's 
He's traveling alone and he's lonely and desperate for companionship and he's looking around for something and someone and Jacob finds himself at a well to quench his thirst with a drink of water. When suddenly, out of nowhere, he is smitten. He is knocked back on his heels because, whoo my goodness, who is that? Uh-huh. All you husbands, that's how it was when you saw your wife. You better shake your head yes right now. Uh-huh. Shake it good. Let her know. Oh, yes, baby. Love at first sight. Love at first sight. Come on. If not, Valentine's Day is coming real soon. You're going to have to up that gift. As Rachel, the youngest of Laban's daughter, arrives at the well to simply draw water. Jumping back up onto his tired feet, Jacob uncaps the well and begins to draw water from the well. I think it's probably a pretty good thing to do. Let me show you. I can do this for you. Let me help you out, baby. Woo, come on. (laughs) Having seen her, he loves her instantly. And he sets out to secure Rachel for himself. Inquiring of Laban the price for her hand in marriage, he learns that it will be seven years of labor. Not just some simple date her for a little bit, buy her a ring, move on, get a blessing. Laban said, sure, I'll give you her hand, but you've got to work for me for seven years. To which he quickly agrees and begins the task. He says, oh, seven years for her. I'd work 10, I'd work 15, whatever you say. So I, I don't know what it was about her. Doesn't really say, just says she was beautiful. What does that mean? Because that can mean different things to different people. But it says that she was beautiful. Maybe it was something in her eyes. Maybe it was her hair. But something made him fall in love with Rachel from the very moment he laid his eyes on her. Now, you see, I can understand where Jacob was coming from because I believe, and I hope my numbers are right, but I think it was about 22 years ago now Is that right, babe? She said yes. I was right. 22 years ago that I was sitting on the platform at camp. Listen, if you don't go to camp, you need to go to camp because it will change your life. I mean, spiritually too. It will change your life. It will change your life. But I was sitting up there on that platform and I believe she got camper of the year that year. Yeah, I never got that. Just run her up, but that's okay. But she got camper of the year, and I looked down, and here she comes. I was holding my saxophone in my hand, and I turned my head, and when I did, I was like Jacob. I was like, my Lord, that's the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my life. And I said to myself, I would never have a chance with her. Four kids later. (laughs) Almost 19 years. God is good. Hallelujah. 
laid my eyes on her, and instantly, I was in love. I was smitten. And I, I, I'm really thankful that when I met her mama, that mama didn't make me work seven years. <laughs> but I would have done it. I would have done it. She was worth it to me. Why? Because there was something inside of me that when I saw her, something just changed. I, whew, I can tell you, those moments where we sit in the dining hall and just staring at her, it was like everyone else in the room disappeared. You say, that's just movie stuff. Oh, no, it's not. It happened. It happened. And I'll tell you one reason it happened, young men, young ladies. I know you got pounded this weekend from Brother Carson about your relationships. But I'll tell you, when it is the right one of God, you will know without a doubt that it's the right one from God. So just as I was focusing and focused on winning over Sister B, Jacob was focused on winning Rachel's hand in marriage. So we fast forward to the moment where the work was completed. He's done his seven years. Festivities are arranged. The wedding's taking place. All the, the great things are happening, the music, and it's just a, a great wedding going on. And, and here we find ourselves, the wedding is over, and... The Bible bluntly tells us and broadsides us with this fact that we find in verse 25. It says this, And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Talk about a shock. I'm sorry. Um, what are you doing? And here, where's your sister? Jacob didn't realize it, but married behind the veil, disguised in the darkness of night, the sneaky and deceptive Laban had pulled a great bait and switch on this unsuspecting Jacob. Jacob thought he was going to work seven years. He thought my labor has ended. I've done my part. He had given him his oldest, less attractive Leah instead of the promised Rachel. Now, I will stop and point this out. Brother Kidwell and I were talking about this in the office before church. I said, isn't it funny how the one who was a master of the bait and switch the one who was the master of tricking and pulling a slick one over on his brother and his father now had one pulled over on him. And do you understand the relationship between uh, Laban and, and Jacob's mother, that the relationship there, they're related, that it, it, it runs in the family. He finds himself in the exact situation that he actually had pulled over on somebody else. Here he is waking up. Could you imagine? Your wedding night's over, you roll over, you're stretching, that horrible breath is there, but you don't care because you're in love. 
That fades quickly. You know I'm not lying. And you roll over and say, good morning, baby. Who are you? What are you doing in here? Where's my wife? And she has to inform him, I am your wife. You married me last night, not my sister. So should he have just been content with himself to say, you know what? Well, I guess I have to love and live with Leah now rather than Rachel. Or does he demand for himself what he first loved? And for which he had worked seven years for. The next line literally tells us the tale. We see it here that by his own desires, Jacob gets up, storms into Laban's house. Says, what is this, Laban? Thou hast done unto me. You have deceived me. I worked seven years. I worked seven years for Rachel. And last night you deceived me. I have now went into a covenant relationship with your other daughter that I was not attracted to and I have no feelings towards. I do not love her, but I love Rachel. What is this that thou hast done to me? You have deceived me, Laban. It's easy to see that Jacob is rightfully upset. He's aggravated and he is mad. And he has every right to be. Jacob didn't work for Leah. Jacob didn't love Leah, but Jacob loved Rachel. He worked for seven years to get Rachel. Laban, what is this that you have done unto me? You've robbed me. What Laban did to Jacob is still happening even in our time today. Understand this, that the adversary of your soul and our souls, uh, Lucifer, Satan, the accused, the deceiver, the dragon, the devil, is trying to seduce the church into marrying the things of the world in a time of darkness, in a time of night, that it'll put a veil over itself to make it look like it's something that you've been seeking after from God. I'm telling you, if you are not prayerful, if you are not fasting you will find yourself in the morning waking up next to the things you never desired you'll find yourself waking up next to the things of the world that you never loved you need to return to your first love today and say Laban what did you do unto me Satan what have you done unto me trying to seduce us into settling, settling for some spiritual uh, uh, consolation prize, uh, that second place prize, uh, that say, oh, you know, the things of the world, I guess they're just not that bad. Uh, no, they'll never, they'll never beat the level of the things that God has for you. I refuse uh, to settle for second best. When I've been bought by the blood, when I've been filled with the spirit, I refuse to be in a secondhand situation. I look and I say, I know my first love. I want my first love. I will not settle for second best. (laughs) Seduced us into living with something less than what we first saw and loved. 
robbing us of the rich treasures of his kingdom that first caught your eye when you first came to a service, persuading us to settle for something, some secondary blessing, because some secondary anointing or some secondary gifting. I'm telling you right now, I refuse. I refuse to settle for some secondary leftover anointing when God says, I'll give you a new one every day. I don't know about you, but I don't want second best. I, I know what I saw the first time. I know what it felt like when I was seven years old and I went down the water when I came out. I remember standing on that altar and Brother Hudson laid his hands on me at seven years old and I began to speak in tongues for the first time. I remember the first time I stepped into a pulpit and I felt the anointing of God come over me and I began to preach his message. I refuse to settle for anything less than that. I refuse to settle for fame and fortune of the world when I can have what God has for me. That's my first love. I refuse. There are those under the sound of my voice this morning who fell in love with Rachel, spiritually speaking, but somewhere along the way, you grew accustomed to living with Leah. Like Jacob, not so aware of the difference. He, he didn't realize what happened that night because the veil was still on. The veil was left until it became so dark that he couldn't even see. He didn't even realize who was, who was there with him. He had no idea who he was going to bed with. He didn't know that. He thought it was Rachel. He didn't know because the veil was there. The darkness was there. He didn't know the difference until the light began to shine. It's the light that begins to break through that darkness that Bishop Stark talked about. You see, the, the world needs the light, but don't you ever think that you're exempt from it. I need the light every day. You need the light every day. When the darkness begins to creep in our life and you begin to lose your vision of, of your first love, you, be, you begin to forget what it was like to come to an altar. You begin to fade away and Sunday mornings aren't so important to you anymore. You forget what it was like when you got baptized. All that darkness comes in. The best thing you can do is pray for morning. God, I need light. I need light to shine, Lord. I need my vision to be restored, God, because I refuse to love Leah when Rachel's right there in front of me. The light began to break through and he could see, he could see that he was holding something that was different than what he thought was gonna be. It was something far different than what you and I in our lives would have been reaching for and the difference between what we wanted and what we have in that moment is real. Anybody ever woke up? Let's be real for a moment that you woke up and found yourself in a place that you told yourself you would never, ever go. You found yourself in a place of sin that you said, oh no, there was a moment in my life, you said, I'm so in love with Rachel. I'm so in love with the things of God that there's no way I would ever settle for Leah. But there was a moment, thank God, there was a moment where the light began to shine through. The curtains were peeked open just enough in your life that the light began to shine through and it hit you right in the eyes. And you said, what in the world? And it made you turn and look around and you said, who is that? 
how did I get here? We've all had those moments. If we'd be honest, we would all raise our hands and say, yeah, I've definitely had those mornings. Think, what in the world am I doing? God's been so good to me. Why would I ever settle for this? Why would I ever settle for the things of the world when God has opened his kingdom to me? Why would I settle for second best, second place, when God says, you're first in my eyes and the things I have for you, the world can never produce for you. That's what I have. You see, there's a, there's a vast difference between what you, what, what you fell for and, and what you fell in love with at an altar some time ago. There's a difference between that. There's a difference in what we first loved and what we're currently loving. There's a difference between what you lived in and what you're currently living with. And maybe even some of us here now this morning need to do what Jacob did. Maybe this morning is your moment to say, you know what? Jacob did it. I can do it. And you need to storm in through the doors of the deceiver of your soul who has stolen and robbed you of life and heaven's treasures in your life they've robbed you of your first love robbing you of the things that God that he had for you and the things you fell in love with in the beginning when you first experienced him making you settle for Leah it is time for some Jacobs to storm the gates of hell this morning and say listen what you have taken from me does not belong to you you had no right to touch it but I want it back what you've taken from me I want it back today it is mine it's from him he gave it to me I'm going to storm the gates of hell and demand that he gives back what is rightfully mine there's too many wonderful men and women faithful saints pillars even in the kingdom that are locked in living with something less than what they first loved Understand this morning, I'm not preaching this morning about two women. But what I'm using them is just simply as an example. Rachel represents the ultimate spiritual experience. She is the example of everything that is sought after. Rachel is the dream that we go after. Rachel is the godly things that we go after. Rachel is the desired vision that we want to have. Rachel is our, our ultimate goal and our greatest hope. That's what we want. She's a relationship. Rachel is relationship. Rachel is love. Rachel is what you're looking at and you say, I could love that. Rachel is the example of us our relationship with God that when you look at him there's no questioning of oh could I love him I don't make could I make this work that's where Jacob was at maybe I can make this work with Leah maybe I can make maybe I can be satisfied maybe maybe she'll take the place of Rachel maybe Rachel will just move and I'll forget about Rachel but Rachel is too attractive. Rachel is too desirable. Rachel has too many good things to offer you for you to settle for Leah. You see, Leah, Leah is not relationship with God. Leah is religion. Leah is going through the motions. Leah is coming in on a Sunday morning, sitting on the pew, but you don't feel a thing. 
Lee is coming. Lee is coming in. I dropped something in the in the plate today. I did my duty. I paid my dues. That's Leah. Look what I did. That's Leah. That's where Leah is. You see, Rachel. Rachel is revival. Leah is the world. Rachel represents our God. And I ask you today, who are you in love with? Leah is survival. She'll get you through life. You'll make it day to day. You, 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 won't, be much, you won't be blessed much. You, you'll, you'll probably fight depression and you, you'll probably fight disease and you'll probably fight to, just to struggle with the, with the spiritual realm that is constantly fighting, coming after you because she'll, she'll help you survive. The world will help you survive. You'll get by. Leah's survival, Rachel's revival. Which one do you want in your life? I don't know about you. As for me and my house, I want revival. I don't want to just get by. I don't want to just get week to week, Sunday to Sunday. If I can just make it to next Sunday, I'm going to survive through another week. No, I want to wake up Monday morning and say, I got freedom. I wake up Monday morning and say, I got a relationship with God. I wake up Tuesday morning, I got blessings. Wednesday morning, I've got God on my side. Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning, I'm not waiting for Sunday to get here. Sunday's good, but I've got a relationship with Rachel every day. I don't have time for Leah. I don't have time for Leah. Dear Leah, this is goodbye. Get out of my life, Leah. I don't have time for the things of this world. I must have God. I must fall in love with God again. Return to your first love. Don't settle for second best. Come on, magnify the Lord this morning. Come on, give God praise this morning. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Understand our goal is not survival with Leah, but our goal is revival with Rachel. Our goal as a church is not just survival, just to get by, not to be satisfied with what we have. I love the crowd we had this morning, but I'm not satisfied with that. Leah would be satisfied with that. But you know what? I'm keeping the church doors open because I understand something this morning. There's more people that's gonna be coming. There's more chairs that need to be filled up. I settle for nothing less than revival. Our goal is winning our city. Our goal is having to build a new church. Our goal is not just to be satisfied then. I showed Bishop Stark the other day when he was here. He said, oh, this is good. How many will hold? I said, about 350. He said, that's great. He said, what's the other phases? That's a man of faith and vision. He doesn't settle. And I said, oh, Bishop, there's four phases. I said, we could take this. Phase two is to knock these walls out. We could hold about 500. He said, what's phase three? I said, phase three, if we need to, we could put a balcony in. He said, what's phase four? I said, phase four, the engineer said we could do a mirror image and we could hold over a thousand people in this sanctuary, in that church. I'm telling you right now, I may never see it in my lifetime, but I believe that there's coming a day. Why? Because this church will never settle for Leah. This is a revival church. We're gonna have revival. 
We're going to get harvest. We're going to grow. We're going after revival. Going after a new building. We're going after souls. We got to reach the lost. We got to reach the lost. Where the Carson talked about it. When's the last time? We're talking about prodigals. When's the last time you got desperate enough to call and talk to your loved ones that are lost? Not just to patty cake it. Not just say, oh, I love you. Just want to call and say hi. When's the last time? I'm telling you right now. I'll be transparent. I believe he's going to come back. But you know. You know, for me personally, he used to sit right there on that, on that pew, on that seat and play those drums. He used to sit right there. I talked to him on the phone the other day, and I was very straight. And I said, I called him Bub. I said, you got to come home. you got to come home. The clock is ticking. Time is running out. You've got to come home. Leah would say, oh, oh, don't you bother them. They'll come back when they're ready. Wow. Because Leah knows about the clock too. Leah says, oh, just get distracted. Just, just let this year pass by. Don't bother the prodigals. Don't bother them. Because if you, if you push them too hard, you're going to push them away. Who put that mindset in our heads? I'm pretty sure that Jesus went after the broken he went to their house and said I'm looking for broken people he said well they know truth yes they know truth but they're still broken because somewhere along the way Leah caught their eye Leah caught their eye and when, when Leah caught their eye the veil was not on Leah but the veil began to drop in front of their face and everything became dark and they forgot about Rachel they forgot about their first love they forgot about that experience at the well they forgot about the experience with the water they forgot about the experience with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost they begin to forget about those things but I'm telling you right now I say take Leah's mindset and throw it out the window because the Bible tells me that the prodigal came to themselves and when the prodigal came to themselves, the prodigal came home. There's going to be a homecoming. There's going to be a homecoming for our prodigals uh, that they're going to come to themselves uh, and they're going to be reminded. Uh, the light's going to shine. The veil's going to come off their eyes uh, and they're going to say, I've got to get back to my first love. I've got to return home. We must fall in love with Rachel, our first love. You see, the thing about Leah is this. Leah's sneaky. She's sneaky. Sometimes you don't even see it coming. Jacob was in his tent waiting for his wife, Rachel. But Leah snuck in, a lot like her father, but also a lot like Jacob. She made her way in, made herself appear as Rachel. See, that's the thing you got to be careful with. This is one thing I realized in the process of even coming down here to this church. I was praying, God, where do you want us? What do you want to do with us? God, where, 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 do, you, where, where do you want us to go? And we were actually, if you don't know this, we were actually pursuing, the whole church knows this. I actually, when I preached down here as a guest minister, I told the church, we're actually on our way to New York City. That's where we were planning on going. And God had different plans. 
And I realized that in that process for two years that we tried to go, every door that opened slammed in our face. And I thought, that just doesn't make sense, God. I'm very confused. And after two years, I realized something. And I told Brother Chris Gibbs, I said, Brother Gibbs, I've learned something over this two years. He said, what is that? I said, the hand of man can resemble the hand of God. You better be able to discern which one is which. That's why prayer is important. Fasting is important. Because Leah will come to you and appear to you and confuse you and deceive you into thinking it is Rachel. Everything that appears good is not always good. That's why prayerfully consider everything. Prayerfully consider. Because Leah sneaks in in the darkness. You want to know when the enemy is going to come and try to confuse you and mess with you? Is when you're in the midst of darkness and confusion. When you're in the midst of a situation in life and you're dealing with things. And you say, oh, I just need a word. Make sure you finish that and say, from God. Because you'll have friends that might call with a word. And they'll deceive you into thinking it was from God. You better vet every voice that comes into your life. You better make sure. There's a reason I handpick the voices that are in my life. There's a reason. He's been here. I think he's proven himself. There's a reason Bishop Stark is one of the greatest voices in my life. I allow him to speak into my life. For the Kleindance, hey, I've given him full access into my life, to this church, and my family. Your voice. I said, if God speaks something to you, you call me and tell me. I want to hear it. You listen to the man of God in your life. Who is prayerfully looking over your soul. To make sure every decision you make is right. We have to be careful because we'll be deceived. You see, it may appear to be beautiful and desirable in the dark, but when the sun rises, it might just leave you empty and broken. Leah will tell you it's okay to compromise. That you don't have to get your family to church every Sunday. Just once or twice a month, it'll get you by. You'll survive. Survival mode. That's Leah. That, that what you watch or what you listen to, it won't affect you that much. Leah, Leah will tell you what you want to hear. Why will Leah tell you what you want to hear? Because Leah doesn't love you. Show me where Leah died for you. Show me where the world ever sacrificed anything to better your life. You won't find it. That's why I said in today, say, listen, I can't live with compromise. I love the truth of God too much. I love his word too much to compromise for anything else. I'll tell you right now, you can go get some good, great books, and there's books. I like reading books. I like getting this stuff. I, I'm, I'm doing right now some, some studying for for ordination, for to, or, to be an ordained minister through the UPCI, and I have to, I have to go through a lot of books and a lot of videos, a lot of studying, all that, that stuff's good. And, and, and I love the fact that they, they, everything they have is based out of here. But there's a lot, of, there's a lot of good books you can read. But I'm telling you right now, there is no book that's going to change your life like this book. 
It might give you good tips. It might help you. It might help you become a better leader, and I'm all for that. It, it, it might help you, give you maybe a game plan to lose some weight. If that's what you got to do, get in that book and read. That's fine. That, that, that's fine. But I'll tell you right now. But spiritually, yeah. this better be the only book that you're looking to spiritually for guidance. Because yeah. this isn't man's opinion. This is God's opinion. And God's opinion matters. I can't live with survival mode. You see, it's time, we, it's time that we serve Leah today in eviction notice. That we've allowed too much into our lives to distract us from our first true love. Jacob, you can't be in love with Rachel. Get ready. Kids, you won't understand this, and this is probably good that you don't. But church, you cannot be in love with Rachel while you're sleeping with Leah. Can't happen. Doesn't happen. Uh uh. If you love Rachel, and Rachel's the only one you're with. You see, we, we can't be in love with Jesus and be messing around with the world at the same time. Mm-mm. I've said this before. I'll say this, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it again. But when that happens, when Jesus becomes nothing more than your quick fix, we turn church into a spiritual brothel where you come in, drop something on the plate, get what you need, and head out the doors. Not changed at all. I know this is kind of hard and straight, but I'm telling you, I love you enough to tell you, we don't have time to mess around with Leah anymore. We don't have time to mess around with the things of the world anymore. We're too distracted by the things around us. Get your eyes set in your first love again. Remember what it was like when you went down the water. Remember what it was like when he pulled you out of the gutter, when he loved you, when you were not lovable. He loved you anyways. The world's done nothing but kick you to the curb. But every time, he's there waiting. Come back to your first love. There must be separation. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We have to live here. I'm not saying we put ourselves in our homes like a bubble and we never leave. That would be weird and really kind of cultish. And that's not who we are. Uh uh-uh. uh. That would be weird. That would not be great for your families. I have to do a lot of over the phone marriage counseling. Brother Carson said it yesterday. If you have siblings, you have those moments where you're speaking to them while you're walking and your parents can't hear you. And you look at them and you say, I'm going to kill you. He said, and sometimes you actually thought about it. We can't put ourselves in a bubble. We can't hide ourselves from Leah. Leah is there. The world is there. We can't help that. But we don't have to live in it. It surrounds us, but you don't have to be of it. You don't have to give an invitation to the world and to your home. You say, oh, 
Pastor, are you saying we need to go home and throw our TVs away? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you better prayerfully monitor what is coming across your screen. You better be very careful what's coming across your, your, your phone in your hand. You better be very careful what you're allowing into the ears and what you're allowing into your eyes because what's coming in here is ending up here. And this is who you're going to fall in love with. This is what's going to determine that. And if there's more Leah than Rachel, you're going to follow after Leah. And if not you, those who are under you in your home, spiritual leaders, you determine what's allowed in your home. And I'm just going to say this right now. Parents, it is your job to say no. Your kids are not leading you. You're leading your kids. If they get their feelings hurt because you tell them no, hurt their feelings. I would rather have their feelings hurt and then end up in heaven than to get whatever they want and end up in hell. I have to teach them. Lee is not okay. Lee is not okay. Rachel is what you want. Well, hallelujah. It can be fixed. It's not the first time I've done it. Most of you didn't know that. Brother Tim can fix it. He fixed it the first time. Brother Tim, we'll be good. Amen. I'm closing. I sense something happening and stirring in this place this morning. That's going to make us rise up from our slumber, from the dark. It's going to make us rise up of that deceiver and all the deceivers demanding to know Listen, thank you, Brother James. Demanding to know this morning. Listen, I've been deceived. Uh, I've been deceived out of what God truly had for me. I thought I'd been living this life to the fullest. But I realized this morning, somewhere along the way, Leah snuck in with her veil on and I've been entertaining Leah while Rachel is out there somewhere waiting on me. Rachel's out there saying, but I thought, but I thought we had a moment at the well. I thought you worked for me, Jacob. I thought you loved me, Jacob. Could you imagine what it felt like for Rachel when she sees her sister and Jacob walk out of the tent the next morning? Could you imagine the broken heart that she said, hold up. What just happened? I thought you loved me. 
What are you doing with her? Imagine how God feels. We go through days without ever talking to him. Not cracking his book only on Sundays. Could you imagine how he feels? He says, hold on. Hold on. I thought we had a moment at the well. I thought we had a moment. Don't you remember when you first saw me and I revealed myself unto you how much you loved me? Don't you remember that I gave my life for you? I shed my blood for you. Don't you remember when I pulled you out of that sinful life you were living? Don't you remember when I filled you with my spirit? Don't you remember that? What are you doing? Sleeping with the world. What are you doing entertaining Leah? Why are you giving Leah your time? Leah can never give you what I could give you. But here I am. Just waiting. And the story goes on. And Jacob came back and said, listen. He had a moment and said, I'm not going to settle for Leah. He said, but I'll work seven more years if I have to to get Rachel. Seven more years. You say, well, what's it going to cost me, pastor? I don't know. It might cost you of checking yourself and checking your life and checking your home and say there's some Leah things that's got to go. Well, what, what's it going to cost you? I don't care. I guarantee you, if, if they said, Jacob, you've got to work 20, 30 years for Rachel. He loved her so much. He said, I don't care what the cost is. He said, because I'm not settling for her. When I love her. This morning, I'm, I, I beg you, don't settle for that out there. When you've got a God that shows up every day and says, I love you. I love you even in the midst of your mess, even in the midst of in your disaster and the bad decisions you make, I still love you. God's calling for somebody today to simply do this. Write that letter. Take that spiritual pen and paper and just write, Dear Leah, here's a letter for you. Here you go, hell. I've got a letter for you. This today is goodbye. I don't have time for you anymore. I don't have time for you anymore. I'm not gonna take a chance of losing my kids. I'm not gonna take a chance of losing my salvation. Dear Leah, this is goodbye. See you later. Go on, live your life. Bother somebody else, but I remember who my first love is, and I'm returning to my first love today. Is there anybody in this room that you would step out right now and walk to an altar and say, I'm going to recommit myself. I'm gonna write a letter today. The things of the world, dear Leah, goodbye. 
Leah. Goodbye, Leah. I love God too much. I love God too much to settle for you. Come on, somebody lift your hands. Come over to this altar today. Come on, recommit yourself. God, I'm coming back to my first love. I'm returning to my first love, Lord. God, I'm going to love your word. God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast, Lord. I love you too much to settle. I love you too much to settle, God. Oh, God. Come on. I know there's people in this room this morning I was speaking to. Come on, you know you've allowed, you've allowed Leah in. You've allowed Leah in. That's all right. God's saying, come on, bring it to me. Turn your back and walk back to me. Bring it back to me because I'm here with open arms. I'm going to love on you. Come on, somebody lay Leah down today at an altar and leave it. Leave it here. It says, gone. I'm not living like that anymore. I'm not going to have those desires anymore. I'm not going to do those things anymore. I'm going to put down those drinks. I'm not going to drink that anymore. It's not going to have a stronghold on me. I'm going to turn away from those addictions, those strongholds. Come on, I'm going to lay those things down today. I'm laying Leah at the altar today. And I'm going to fall back in love with Jesus. I'm going to fall back in love with you today, God. Oh, Leah, I love you.